0: The Explore Oregon podcast is brought to you by the Statesman Journal, newspaper of Salem and the state capital since 1851. I'm your host, Zach Ness, and in each episode, producer David Davis and I highlight Oregon's most beautiful and interesting places. In this edition, we're traveling to Oregon's most underappreciated mountain range, a place home to Oregon's largest trees and most confusing roads. But first, some guitar music to get us rolling. The number one complaint I hear from Oregonians these days is that our state's outdoors is getting way too crowded. Whether it's the Columbia Gorge or the Oregon coast, people's experience on the trail is starting to feel more like a shopping mall than a commune with nature. And look, I get that. But I also know there's a wonderland of solitude-filled trails not far from the Willamette Valley.
1: In this edition of the Explore Oregon podcast, we're going to talk about the secret hikes of the coast range. These are places way off the grid where you can hike among huge waterfalls and old growth rainforests in relative solitude.
0: All right, so let's define what we're talking about here. So the coast range is the mountains between the Willamette Valley and the coast. So when you're driving from Salem to Lincoln City, you're going through the coast range. When you're driving from Portland to Cannon Beach, also the coast range. If you're ever wondering, hmm, am I in the Coast Range? Look around. If you're surrounded by giant trees and a carpet of moss, good chance you're in the right spot.
1: The Coast Range actually spans a huge area, but for our purposes, we're gonna focus on the mountains between Portland and Tillamook to the north and Eugene and Florence in the south. It's a gigantic area, so we're gonna go ahead and pick our favorite spots. The goal is that, look, you've tried coming to all these places in the Gorge and the Cascades and you're looking for something different, this area is worth considering. We're going to start, as always, with this simple question, why go?
0: So there's a lot of strikes against the coast range, right? So there's terrible drives for the most part. Uh, It can be confusing. Um, It's an area where there is pretty active logging operations, and it's not always clear where they are. So you might be driving to a hike, and all of a sudden there's a logging operation blocking your way. Um, But that keeps people out. Um, and the places that do remain are extra special to me.
1: Yeah, the Coast Range, in my experience, was always a gateway to somewhere else. It was kind of hard to think of it as a destination. It takes a little courage to kind of get off the highway, seek out these special places that are definitely off the beaten path. And like you said, the Coast Range offers views rivaling the gorge and without the crowds. Yeah, and
0: doing that work, I mean, because look, there's these highways between like Salem and Lincoln City. It always strikes me as a good example. You're driving that very safe highway to a good destination. The Coast Range is the stuff in that kind of jungle that you see off the side of the road. So, you know, having the willingness to like get off that safe route, go travel in this kind of weird area, you know, it it takes something. And it took me a little while to want to do that too, but I was just finding that these waterfall hikes I was doing – in the Gorge, at, at Silver Falls, you know, they're just so well-documented, they're so crowded. You know, as a reporter, what can you really say about, you know, some hike you're going on where there's 500 people? But then you hear about a place called Kentucky Falls, where hardly anybody goes and you're, you're a lot more interested. And I kind of fell in love with the area because of the flaws.
1: All right. Well, let's go ahead and talk about an itinerary. What's the best way to go about exploring this region?
0: Well, I don't want to spend a ton of time on this just because Uh, this is a little different than our normal like destination type podcast. So this is a big area and there's kind of two ways that people normally do it that I normally do it. So it's either close enough to the Willamette Valley that you can do it as a day trip. So start early in the morning, you know, do the drive, do the hike, come back home. The other way to do it, and I think the better way if you plan for it is included as part of a trip to the coast. So if you're going, you know, out to Newport, you know, consider throwing one of these in there. Maybe a stop at, you know, Mary's Peak or Drift Creek Falls or any number of different coast range places to kind of break up the trip um, and take advantage of this area while your ultimate destination is probably going to be near the sand somewhere.
1: Yeah, I'm kind of the same. Um, And especially it's good to kind of keep some of these in your back pocket because if the weather at the coast is really bad, let's say there's, it's just super windy, super rainy, maybe pull out one of these uh, waterfall hikes, because then, you know, you're usually under a pretty significant tree canopy. Yeah. And so you're protected from wind. You're still going to get wet, yeah. but probably fewer crowds that way.
0: That's actually a great point. A lot of times when the coast is at its worst, the coast range is at its best. You know, if you're getting that torrential rainfall, I mean, obviously you don't want to be out on the sand, but you go inland to one of these waterfall hikes and they're just like booming. And so that's, that's, that's actually a great point.
1: Yeah. All right, we've laid down an abundance of caution. To make sure people know what they're in for, we're gonna classify these at three different levels of difficulty, including follow the signs, pretty straightforward, totally baffling, a little trickier, and please help, I am lost. Now know that there are a lot of places in the coast range where you have zero cell service, so printed maps, maybe a dedicated GPS unit should definitely be part of the package. Yeah, worthwhile. All right, let's go ahead and start with the most unique places in the Coast Range. What do you got, Zach?
0: All right, so we're going to start off with the quintessential Coast Range destination, the Valley of the Giants. Now, this one is definitely going to be classified under, please help, I'm lost. It takes two and a half hours to get there from Salem, even though it's only 33 miles as the crow flies. You're taking a lot of left, right, left, right turns. Um, and I would definitely suggest getting the customized map from Salem BLM office can also find it online before you go, because without it, you will almost certainly get lost.
1: Yeah, and you may actually be passing through some active logging areas, so it's important to have up-to-date information, so that's why I would go ahead and give the Salem BLM office a call, just so they can set you straight. The location is kind of best described as the Upper Slits River, west of Falls City. But again, enough of the hysterics. Go ahead and uh, tell us a little bit about the majesty of the Valley of the Giants.
0: Right. So. Valley of the Giants is just 51 acres of this giant old-growth forest. Uh, It has some of the largest and oldest trees in Oregon. They're monstrous, almost redwood level in size and girth all along the North Fork of the Siletz River. The ironic thing is that they're surrounded by one of the most heavily logged areas in Oregon. So it's this weird dynamic where you have this island of giant trees surrounded by a bunch of stumps.
1: Yeah, and the drive is actually a pretty interesting adventure in and of itself. In addition to kind of the twists and turns throughout um, the journey, it takes you past a fascinating piece of Oregon history, the remains of a once bustling timber town called Valsets. It's gated off now, so it's not quite like you can stop and visit, but you can sort of catch glances of it along the route.
0: Like we could do an entire podcast just on Valsets. So it was a timber company town, in the middle of nowhere and during its height it was home to a thousand people. Now there were plenty of these timber towns around Oregon in the early 1900s and basically what that meant is the loggers and their families just kind of lived, worked, got married um, in these towns that were owned entirely by the timber company in question. So Valsett's actually had a school district, a company store, a restaurant, and a two-lane bowling alley.
1: Yeah, the town lasted 64 years before folding for good in 1984, which is pretty amazing. But it begs the question, given how close this, you know, amazing stand of old growth trees was to this logging epicenter, how did it survive without getting cut?
0: Yeah, well again, so Valley of the Giants, surrounded by logging, including this famous timber town called Valsets, and it, by all rights, it should have been cut. Um, and it really required yet another one of these only-in-Oregon stories to survive. And so the reason is this guy named Maynard Drossen took an interest in it. And so Drossen, he's this World War II vet, uh, and he's a barber that lives in Salem. And so he's known to traveling to wild places around the state. He gets tips from people he gives haircuts to, and he writes books about them. And in 1974, uh, he came to the the Valley of the Giants. I don't think it was actually called Valley of the Giants at the time he applied that name. So he's really impressed by the size of the trees, just the way they showed what the coast range forest used to look like. And he's horrified that they're definitely gonna be cut, like it's for sure gonna happen. So he just starts this one man crusade to save them. So he gives lectures, he took people on field trips to see him, and basically he just wore down the Bureau of Land Management. He's one of those guys who's really persistent, has the gift of gab, and kinda to just get them off their back, they're like, all right, fine. we'll we'll preserve it. And so now it's this outstanding natural area.
1: Yeah, and it's worth remembering that even though this drive is super long, uh, the hike itself through the Valley of the Giants is pretty short at 1.6 miles.
0: Yeah, it's a beautiful hike. Um, Don't get me wrong. But if you're coming from the Willamette Valley, you're driving five hours round trip for what's a pretty short hike. Um, But I would say for... The amount of Oregon history, just kind of the cool, interesting stuff going on here, it's, it's worthwhile doing at least once in your life.
1: Yeah, it's definitely one of those perspective changing experiences. All right, let's move on to our next place. This is a little less crazy and a little better known. We'll call it the best place to get high in the coast range.
0: All right, again, we are talking about how to reach a high place, not Oregon's recreational weed industry. And when you want to get high in the coast range, Mary's Peak is your spot. At 4,000 feet, it's the tallest point in the coast range. The difficulty of the drive is pretty easy. I'd rate it, follow the signs and you'll be fine. David, you've been going to Mary's Peak for a long time. You know, it's pretty close to Oregon State University. What sticks out about it?
1: Back to the idea that the coast range is a gateway between the valley and the coast, Mary's Peak really gives folks that climb up to the top a view of both at the same time. You can stand in the meadows near the top, and on a clear day, you can look out to your left and see the ocean, and then on your right, you can see the Cascade Range Mountains and the valleys sort of playing out below.
0: Yeah, so it's really like that kind of island between, between the two. I like mary's peak because there's there's a classic hike to the top and it's great for kids because while this is you know the tallest mountain in the coast range you can actually drive fairly close to the top so you can drive to this upper parking lot and from that point it's a pretty short kid friendly hike up this gated road to the top and while it might not be super interesting if you're a very experienced you know mountain climber and hiker for kids it feels like you're conquering the world because you know you get up there and you're above everything that's surrounding you. Like you said, you can see to the ocean, you can see to the valley. you can kind of see everything around you. And that that's just really fun.
1: Yeah, and if you're looking for something a little more challenging, there's actually some great hiking and mountain biking options that start further down the mountain. Um, there's actually the North Ridge Trail and then a few other trails that form a loop that there's a lot of elevation change and a lot of more challenging stuff down there.
0: Mary's Peak is also kind of a cool place in the winter. You know, if you get one of those great low elevation snowstorms, they will close the gate, you can snowshoot to at the top. And that's a fun way to just play in the snow that's a little closer than driving all the way out to the Cascades.
1: All right, let's move back into a more remote corner of the coast range. Zach, our family friendly spot, has a famous name.
0: So the downside of being an outdoors writer is you have to write about your favorite places. Like it's part of the deal, it's in the contract even in places where i want to kind of keep it my own little secret i'm not allowed to it's it's a legal document i had to sign when i when i took this job and that's why i got to talk about niagara falls like i'm picking it as our family friendly spot because i love bringing my family there it's kind of my like secret little escape plan when i need a day you know out in the forest with my kids and it's funny because it has niagara falls like it's called niagara falls but it could not be any more different from the famous niagara falls it's in the middle of nowhere very few people come here and i would rate it as totally baffling because you got to navigate a collection of not super well marked roads
1: so do you think in this day and age of uh, google and search it's it's name actually helps keep it a little bit more obscure
0: i think it does i think when you search niagara falls you get <laughs> you get nothing but you know the famous place and the city and the, the maid of the miss boat tours and you know, nobody, everybody thinks it's like a mistake, like Niagara Falls, Oregon. That What? No, that can't be right.
1: It's worth noting that the proximity to Salem, it's just about an hour and 20 minutes away near Willow So tell us a little bit about the hike.
0: Yeah, the proximity is cool because it's actually about the same length as the drive to Opal Creek. But everybody goes to Opal Creek and feels like it's our backyard. Yet nobody goes to this place and thinks of it as their backyard. But OK, so here's what makes it cool. It, it's just very short. It's two miles round trip. Pretty easy hike. And the thing I love about it is, like, I can just take my girls out, and they can walk most of it. They're one and three years old, but they can walk a lot of it, and we just take our time. There is cool stuff like, you know, skunk cabbage. Like, there's skunk cabbage that is literally bigger than my one-year-old, and so it's fun to look at the the giant leaves. There's a bunch of these little bridges crossing uh, the creeks and things like that. The payoff is two 100-foot waterfalls that are fairly close to each other in this box canyon right at the bottom. There's a little picnic area at the end. It's got a pretty good payoff. The waterfall is only really impressive, you know, during the rainy season. Uh, during the summer, it's kind of fun that you can actually hike to the base of the main Niagara Falls and stand underneath it. I mean, try doing that at the famous <laughs> Niagara Falls. You will die. Uh, but you can do it here. You can actually take a little shower in the wild. Uh, so again, You know, it's close to Salem, it's easy, it's good for a little family picnic trip. I I just really like
1: it a lot. All right, we're gonna go ahead and take a break here to get in a word from our sponsors. When we come back, we'll talk about the largest old-growth rainforest in Oregon and a wildfire that torched the Coast Range to its bones.
0: Did you know that the Statesman Journal's outdoor section has an app? It's true. It's called the Explore Oregon app, and it features detailed information on more than 200 places around the state. It's designed for your iPhone or Android devices, and what's cool about it is that you can turn it on and find information about all the places closest to you. So say you're traveling in Bend. Turn on the app, and immediately you'll find information about great hikes closest to you. Learn more at exploreoregonapp.com, or download
1: it from the app store of your choice today. All right, we're back. In the second half of the show, we're going to go ahead and showcase the soggiest hike in the coast range and a place where you can find two, yes two, 100-foot waterfalls roaring side by side. But as always, we're going to go ahead and start first with an interesting story. So what'd you pick?
0: All right, so in terms of drama, the event that always jumps out to me about the coast range is the Tillamook Burn. This was a series of catastrophic wildfires between Portland and Tillamook uh, that started in 1933, and they were no joke. During the first fire, the largest one, ash and smoke rained down on Portland. It was so dark that the street lights started popping on in the middle of day. Historic pictures show the fire looking more like a mushroom cloud, just rising like an atomic bomb above the forest. Like, it was traumatic.
1: Yeah, the first fire was actually sparked by logging operations during near-record temperatures in the summer. And after the first one, the fires kind of returned in this dangerous cycle almost every five years. So there were fires in 1933, 1939, 1945, and 1951. What happened is that the standing dead trees that were torched during previous fires would dry out in subsequent summers and end up providing more fuel for future fires. Eventually the lands were transferred to public ownership and some reforestation projects helped kind of break that cycle.
0: Think about how big of an impact the Eagle Creek Fire had on Portland in the summer of 2017. This would have been you know, four or five times worse in terms of you know, impact, air quality, everything. This was a big deal. And it's always struck me as odd that it started in this very wet forest. I mean, historically, Northwest Oregon's rainforest doesn't have a ton of giant fires, it's, it's just too wet.
1: Yeah, I think you could say score one for the uh, forest management then. Yeah, for sure. Anyway, if you want to learn more about the Tillamook Burn, there's actually a pretty great museum you can visit. It's the Tillamook Forest Center just off Highway 6 between Portland and Tillamook.
0: I love it. It's it's a fun place to go with kids because there's like a replica fire tower. You can actually watch videos of the Tillamook Burn in action and get a sense of how big a deal this was. And it's also a recreation place. You know, it's a a portal to the forest, uh, to the Wilson River Trail is right there. You can go fishing on the Wilson River or kayaking. So there's a lot to do there in addition to the kind of educational side of it.
1: Yep. Now, the Till Burn was, like you said, unique because it took place in the Coast Range, something we don't really see that much, and a place that gets a ton of rain. So let's go ahead and transition a little bit to the most soggy place in the Coast Range.
0: Well, there's obviously a lot of places that fit, but my choice has to be Drift Creek Wilderness. So it's the largest old growth rainforest in Oregon, and it gets 120 inches of annual rainfall. So that's one of the rainiest places in North America. It's located between Corvallis and Waldport, and as far as the drive, I'd rank it somewhere between follow the signs and you'll be fine and a little bit baffling, just depending on where you decide to go in.
1: Yeah, and there really aren't a ton of wilderness areas in the coast range.
0: Yeah, there are not. I mean, there's a famous passage in the Wilderness Act that says, wilderness is defined as an area where the earth and its community of life are untrammeled by man, or man himself is a visitor who does not remain. That's almost the exact opposite of the Coast Range. We've been logging and building roads here for a really long time. There's not a lot of untouched areas of it left. All that said, there are a few wilderness areas and Drift Creek is the largest and most interesting.
1: So what makes it worth visiting and apparently getting drenched with rain?
0: As far as what makes it cool, it's the incredible lushness. So there's just this thick carpet of moss and lichen that swallows everything without legs, basically. It's home to every shade of green. The trees are monstrous. There's two main access points. So it's Horse Creek and Harris Ranch trails. Both of them are good hikes and they have nice backpackable campsites at the end along Drift Creek. It's a good place in the summer for camping and splashing around in the creek in the summer or really finding some solitude in the spring.
1: Okay, let's finish up with our final category. Let's go with our favorite, the Instagram Famous.
0: Yes, this is my favorite overall hike in the coast range and it's not particularly close. It's called the Kentucky Falls Trail System. And again, we're kind of closing the circle here because just like Valley of the Giants, the drive to this trailhead is ranked, please help, I'm lost. In some ways, I actually hate this drive even more than that one.
1: Yeah, so this is located out in a remote no man's land between Eugene and Florence. But the drive isn't too bad if you're coming from the coast side. But if you're coming from the valley, there are some pretty crazy roads and it gets really confusing. It checks all the boxes. But
0: look, it's 100% worth doing despite the awful drive. And, and here's why. Look, there's four waterfalls, including three that are over 100 feet tall. The Instagram famous spot, you know, that place where you want to get the iconic image, it comes after 2.2 miles of hiking when you come across two 100-foot waterfalls roaring literally side by side. I can't think of anywhere else you can find that in the state. Like you walk to a little bench between them, you look left and there's North Fork Falls. You look right and there's lower Kentucky Falls. Like it's just, it's cool. You can create kind of a awesome wide angle picture there.
1: And this is all within the wonderful coast range rainforest that we've been talking about. Another cool thing about this hike is that it's actually pretty long compared to some of the others we've talked about.
0: Yeah, the trail system actually includes two different trails that you combine. It's the Kentucky Falls and North Fork Smith River trails. Like that sounds like a mouthful, but it's really pretty simple. You put them together and they form an 8.7 mile one-way hike. And that's really long by Coast Range standards. It offers a very wilderness-like experience.
1: All right, well that's about all the time we have for today for the Coast Range. Any other places you want to point out or pearls of wisdom?
0: Yeah, one place we didn't talk about is Sweet Creek Falls. It's located near Mapleton and it's another great kid-friendly hike it's got 11 waterfalls, they're pretty small, but if you count them, 11 waterfalls in just a few short miles, the drive isn't too bad either. As far as wisdom, you know, my hope is that people don't feel intimidated by the coast range. As long as you do your homework, you bring a good map, you have good directions,
1: you're going to be fine. Well, that's it for this edition of the Explore Oregon podcast. Thanks for listening. And if you like what you've heard, make sure to subscribe and tell all your friends. You can also download our free app at exploreoregonapp.com to plan your next outdoor adventure.